I've had a question that I've been trying to answer for a long time, and it's a really serious question. And the question is this, why do people who live by the ocean never go to the beach? Have you ever thought that question? Like if you go to 30A or if you go uh, to uh, Gulf Shores, you'll meet all these people who live there year round and they never go. And all they talk about is how annoyed they are by the sand and the tourists and how hot it is all the time, but they never enjoy the goodness of the beach. And I have driven my entire family there for like eight hours. We've like gone through the traffic on I-65. We've had rain, we've had kids throwing up in the car. And I'm like, I love it here. How in the world do you never go to the beach? You know, and I think about that like uh, judgment that I have towards them. And it reminds me that I live in a place called Music City. And guess what? I never go to shows. Is that you? Like we're in Music City. How often do we hit up the music that comes to us almost every weekend? because we'd rather just watch Netflix, right? Uh, same thing with, with like uh, food. Like Nashville is filled with restaurants, new restaurants, unique restaurants, food that you've never ever had before. Every time I look around, there's a new restaurant just popping up. And what do I eat every Friday night? Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken, right? Of all things. And I think there's something to just being immune to something that is spectacular. Sometimes we can become bored with something that's amazing. And that's true with the story of Jonah. Uh, in the book of Jonah, we find two miracles. The first one overshadows the second. The first one is that Jonah got swallowed by a whale. And many of us stop right there. We're like, that's amazing. That's crazy. He got swallowed by a whale. And then we move on. But there's a greater miracle that happens in the story of Jonah. An entire city turns and believes. The worst city on the planet, Nineveh, believes the message of God and changes. It's an incredible miracle. We're going to read about it tonight. Why don't you guys open your Bibles? Jonah chapter 3. I'm going to read the text to you tonight. And it says this. When I can find it. All right, here we go. Uh, Jonah chapter three, verse one. says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I will tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh by order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both People and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from the evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Kairos, listen to the word of the Lord and live. 
That's our desire tonight, that you would hear this word and it would come alive in your heart as you hear this ancient story in our present time. That's what I've been praying for as I've been preparing this sermon, that you would hear this. It would just not just be another night, but that the Holy Spirit would call us to a new place as a ministry, that we'd be people that are longing for God's favor in the way that they did. Now, uh, when we've been talking through the book of of Jonah, we've been looking at it through a lens. We've been talking about what it means to hear God's voice and respond. Because throughout the book of Jonah, God speaks to Jonah and Jonah ignores him most of the time, which is a lot like us, right? So the first time God shows up to Jonah, he says, Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. Nineveh at the time is the most powerful city in the world. It's populated by a bunch of people who did terrible things. They would come to other nations, conquer them, and leave mountains of severed heads to show how fearsome they were. In fact, Jonah doesn't like them because they've done this to the village that he grew up in. And he says, I don't want them to hear about your message, God. I want them to burn. And so he gets on a boat and goes as far away as he can from Nineveh, and he runs from God's presence. But God, in his mercy, does not allow Jonah to run from him. He throws a storm down in his path. The boat that Jonah's on begins to sink, And Jonah tells the sailors to throw him overboard in order to save them. And so he is thrown overboard, but instead of dying, God sends a fish who swallows Jonah and brings him to Nineveh, which is where we find our story today. And when we talk about hearing God's voice, we're going to see three really important things tonight. And the first one I want you to hear is this, okay? First one is this, is that the voice of God is not flashy. God speaks over and over again in this story And every time that he does, it's not glamorous and it's not shiny, but it carries the weight of life and death. Because God tells Jonah to get back up and go speak to Nineveh. Jonah obeys this time and he begins to preach. He begins to preach to the people. And uh, his sermon is perhaps the worst sermon ever, okay? Maybe the worst sermon ever. If you heard this sermon in a church, you'd be like, I'm never going back there again. That preacher just completely didn't do any effort, any preparation, did not entertain me. It was not good. And his sermon is five words in Hebrew, seven in English. This is what the sermon is. All right, you want to hear it? This is the only thing he says, okay? This is what he says. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. That's his sermon. He's like, the end is near. Nineveh's gonna die. And that's all he says. He's like the guy that you see on Broadway at 12 a.m. with the big placard, right? Have you seen that guy? When you see him, don't you just feel like going up to everybody and go, hey, we're both Christians, but we're not the same. Every time I see him, I'm like, listen, I think your intentions are good, but like your delivery is absolutely awful. Who's going to actually follow up on this? Because you're basically telling us the wind of the world is coming and we don't really know when that's going to be, but we think that that's not the way to reach people. In fact, you're like, hey, please come to Kairos instead because we're actually going to teach you about Jesus and you actually may experience him through worship and the teaching of the word. And so often, I mean, I'm just like cringing. I'm like, okay, this is just weird. And let me tell you, this is what Jonah is doing. Jonah is actually preaching like this. He's preaching, and the word of God is not flashy, but it is effective. And what the Bible tells us is that in the middle of this terrible sermon that doesn't seem to land in today's culture, the people do hear it and are changed. Check this out. Look with me in verse 5. 
It says, then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. So the people hear God's voice and they repent. And I think it's important for us to see that they believe not Jonah, but they believe God who sent Jonah. They believe what God is telling them about himself. And we see a miracle happen here. All faith, theologically speaking, all faith comes not because of our willpower or how like good we are or how much we believe, but rather it is a gift that God has given us. That's what the scriptures teach us. And here, God does a work among people who have never heard his name. And he turns them towards himself in his mercy and grace. And they don't know if God will answer, but from the very least, all the way to the greatest, all the way to the king himself, they proclaim a fast. Everybody stops eating, they stop drinking. They dress themselves in sackcloth, which is this burlap kind of fabric that's really itchy and really kind of uncomfortable. If you ever put it on, you'd hate it, which is why they would put it on, right? So they put it on and they're like asking God, begging God that he would move on their behalf. And I think it's here it's important for us to realize is that sometimes we get so caught up on methodology of ministry and church and what our favorite things are, but God is far more interested in people's hearts and he can do whatever he wants. It doesn't matter how smart your communicators are or how gifted they are. What matters is the presence of the Holy Spirit and there's nothing that can replace it. And here God does an incredible work through Jonah, but not because of Jonah, but because he loved the people of Nineveh, which shows us the second thing about God's voice is that God is a God of second chances. God is a God of second chances. The very first verse we see here is we see the word of God coming to Jonah, what? A second time. Thank God for second chances. God's like, you get a second chance and you get a second chance and you get a second chance. And the good news is that God, even though he has a holy standard, he continues to offer us chances. Even Nineveh. In Jonah 3 verse 10, we find God seeing their repentance and turning away from his anger. He says, God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with and he did not do it. Which brings us to a question a lot of us may ask. We go, okay, um, can God change his mind? Have you ever wondered that? Like if God is like all knowing, how can he change his mind? And a passage like this is one of the places that people point to first. They're like, okay, does God like, does God like not know everything? Like if he's throwing out this like threat that he's gonna destroy Nineveh and then here he doesn't, isn't that like a contradiction? Like how can we trust that God will always do what he says he's going to do? And so people throw out verses like, hey, uh, God is not a son of man that he would change his mind. Like the Bible tells us that really clearly. So we have to go from places where we may go, I don't understand where this works to the things that the Bible really clearly declares about God. Sometimes it's easier for us to look at the black and white parts so that we can then interpret the gray. Never take the gray area and then interpret the black and white. Look at what God clearly says and then find out why it may seem like there's a contradiction. And the thing that we find here is that God is giving people an opportunity to repent and he's giving them a choice. There's a word play here that we lose in the English. 
But in, uh, in, in, in Hebrew, there's actually something going on here in Jonah's sermon. You see, his sermon, those five words, the last one, the word overturned, is the key one. The word in Hebrew is the word hapak. That's, that's a fun word to say, right? Just like hapak, it just sounds really cool. <laughs> the word hapak means it'll be destroyed or overturned, but it also can mean that it's turned upside down. It has multiple meanings. And Jonah is preaching that either they repent and in 40 days, God will bring his judgment on it and he will bring punishment upon Nineveh and wipe it out. Or in 40 days, if they repent, God will overturn the hearts of the people, turn them inside out and upside down. And that is what happens when they hear the word of God and repent. And so when we think about what God is doing here is we find that God is giving them a second chance. Why? Because God is not only a God of wrath and anger over our sin. God is also a God of grace and mercy. Sometimes we think about God only being a God of wrath in the Old Testament and a God of grace in the New Testament. But here we see God offering both, that God does want people to repent and is willing to go to extraordinary lengths because God does give second chances, but they're not free. They cost. The second chances that he offers us are paid for through the blood of Jesus who gave himself for us so that we could have those second chances. Because God said, I'm going to take your error and your sin, and I'm going to put it upon me so that you can have another chance. I'm going to take the wounds that you've inflicted. I'm going to place them upon myself. And tonight, if you're going through something where you feel like you've gone too far from God and you are struggling, you don't know who he is anymore, you're not sure if you believe because you've gone so far and you've deconstructed or you've, 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 you've slept with somebody you shouldn't have or you've, you've like lied or cheated, you haven't gone to church in a long time, know this, God is always offering you a second chance. Now I want to read this passage over you in Psalms chapter 103, verse 8. Just let this just kind of wash over you. If you're feeling that God no longer likes you, (laughs) that he's just like against you, he doesn't want to be with you, hear this. This is what God says. says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or paid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. Isn't that beautiful? God's faithful love is for you. As far as the heavens are above the earth, God will always be for you. Listen, A lot of us can take on an identity of being people who are not lovable. Maybe it's something that our parents said to us at one point, right? They said something and they they didn't mean it the way they they said it, but we just heard it and we just were like, yes, I am never going to be good enough. We just internalize that. And that's become our identity. Jesus says, no, listen, I continually give you a second chance to be mine, to have a different identity, to say you are a son or daughter of the king. And so as we look at this passage, and I was, I was preparing it, I, I got to this point in the sermon in my preparation, and then I started like running into a brick wall. And I don't know, uh, this doesn't usually happen to me, but as I was preparing, I was like, man, I can't get any farther 
So I don't know if this is like a safe place for me to say that, but like I got to this point. And after here, we kind of just kind of go off the rails and let the Holy Spirit do his thing, okay? You ready? Because um, as I was preparing, I just uh, started asking God, I said, okay, that's cool. Like you've given, you've given yourself for us and I've heard that my whole life. And I've heard the story of that you, that you love me and I, I gave my life to the Lord with flannel, flannel board Jesus. You guys know what that was? Like if you went to Sunday school someplace, there was like a flannel board and all the people were always looking in the same direction, never really at each other, right? They like illustrate the Bible stories. I gave my life to Jesus with one of those. And then I went to church. And every time somebody, uh, somebody asked that, um, that if somebody wanted to trust Jesus, I said yes, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to hell, okay? Which, by the way, it's really hot in here. So we thought it would just kind of like make that kind of like a thing. It's like talking about hell. I'm like, I'm sweating up here. It's hot. You guys are sweating in here, right? We'll fix that next week. But as, but as, as I was going through this journey, Somewhere along the way, I became really casual about Jesus. Like, he was always there. I was the guy who lived by the beach but never went. And this story is about a bunch of people who are like me. You see, the people in this story that repent, the Ninevites, and the reason why this story is in the Bible and the reason why it matters is because these people did what God was longing for his own people, Israel. God, over and over again in the Bible, called his people to repent and to put away their idols and to give their whole hearts to him. That's what God was doing over and over again. God would show up and be like, repent, and they would kill him. They'd be like, no, we don't want to do that. Or they'd repent for a little while, and then they'd go on. But God became such a common part of their life that they just took God for granted. And then God sends a man named Jonah to go speak to people who had never heard of him. And Jonah shows up and doesn't want to do it. God has to force him to get there. And he preaches the worst sermon ever. And the people fall out on their faces. And God's like, this is what I want you to do, Israel. I want you to repent like this. Why can't you do this? And God, I believe, is calling us, just like Israel, to, to move beyond the Bible belt where we are so comfortable with Jesus and, and really take him seriously. I think for me, like, I'm a professional Christian. I work at a church. Man, I'm telling you, like, it's so easy to just work for God and not be with God. It's so easy to just like... Just do the thing I think is the right thing and not really listen to what he wants me to do or say or speak to you. And I just want to tell you, like, God just wrecked me this week. Because so often we can become just cultural Christians and we lose the power of God because we stop listening to him. And I think that God wants so much more for us than that. He wants so much more for that for us than, than just to simply go through the motions and be people who live by the ocean and never see the majesty of the horizon. And so we need to be people who seize the second chance. God offers us second chances every day, and we need to seize it. Say, I'm not letting this one slip away. 
Why? Because there is so much joy and goodness in walking with Jesus. We need to seize the second chance that he offers us and not let go. And at Kairos, I believe all of us in this room have an opportunity to do that. You know, there's a lot of change that's happened at Kairos. We've got a new pastor. Um, that's me, in case you're wondering. Uh, um, there's new people every week. Um, we're coming out of COVID. We changed nights. And God has given us a second chance. And one of the things that I believe that we have every week is we have a chance to change people's lives here. God has given us this chance, and we have to seize it. We've, we've come up with clarity on our mission. Our mission at Kairos is this. We want to be a place where people connect to Jesus. That's the most important thing. We want them to connect with each other. We want you to know each other. We want to have real authentic community here. And we want you to connect to the local church because the local church is the hope of the world. That's what we want to do. Why? Because young adults are going through the most important part of their life. You know what young adults are doing? They're making all the major decisions. Because you're right in the middle of it, right? Young adults, those of you guys who are young, some not so young are still doing this, right? But like young adults, you guys are deciding who you're going to marry. And you're looking at it around. You're like, is this the person? Are you the one? Like you're thinking, who's the person I'm going to marry? You're on this quest. You're like wondering, who's it going to be? You're also wondering, what am I going to do? You got your first job. You're like, I hate this. I went to school and did this my whole Whole life, I thought I was going to be an accountant, and I hate numbers. Like, you're trying to figure that piece out. You're trying to figure out where you're going to live. You're like, is it going to be Nashville? Am I going back to Hawaii? You're trying to figure that out. And you're also trying to figure out, like, does Jesus have anything to do with it? Because many of us have lived our life near Jesus, but we have not known Jesus and this is the second chance we have as a ministry to be a place where people encounter not just a performance Jesus, not just a cool band Jesus, not just I'm going to church because I'm supposed to do that, but they encounter the real thing. And our city is filled with people walking away from church because they've seen a bunch of people not really live that out. And I say, that's enough of that. Let's live it out. Let's walk it out. So how do we do this? You may go, I want to. How do I do that? Well, I believe the best way you can do it is by being committed to making Kairos a place where people can come to Jesus every week. We seize the second chance every week. We need people who are like, I will give my life to see my friends and family come to Jesus Christ, and I can do that best through community. And we see this happen over and over again. Last week, we commissioned our first missionary in six years. Six years. We sent our first guy. His name is Brock Miskelly. He's going to Greece to go serve in Athens among refugees. And Brock came here as a college freshman, showed up, was not walking with Jesus. Then he got plugged in, started serving, got in a group, came to Kairos, came on staff as an intern, and now is going away for a year because God has changed his life through our ministry. And the reality is that you could be that person too. God wants to use you for his glory in this season of life. And I believe that you have to seize it. You can't just let it go by. So my invitation to you is this. I want you tonight to just ask God, do you want me to lock in and give my life so that people can know you? And if that's you tonight, it may not be everybody here, um, 
But I know that there's some who've been around Kairos a lot, but we've not really been a part of Kairos. We've been going to the beach. I mean, we're going, living by the ocean. We've not been going to the beach. We have not committed to being in. And it's easy. We want this to be a place where people can sneak in and sneak out, right? Almost like ninjas. Like they're like, sneak in. I'm here. Then I'm back next month. And then the next month, I'm maybe going to come by. But man, what could God do if we had our ninjas become core? <laughs> And so tonight, as we close out and as we listen to the word of God, my, 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 my deepest longing for you is to not be like Jonah, who ran from God and said, God, nope, the word of God, not for me. I don't want to do it. It's going to cost too much. I'm going to run as far away as I can because God will throw a storm in your path. I promise. Because he loves you too much to run from him. Don't be like the people of Israel who were unwilling to repent and believe. My hope for you is that you would be like the people of Nineveh who said, we believe the word of the Lord. And they gave themselves to God. And God repented. He turned. And he fulfilled the other side of the promise, which is that he would overturn the city and give them himself and that city experienced a revival and the people that lived there did not have a catastrophe upon them. And my hope is that that would be your story. You'd see real life changes. You'd grow deeper with Jesus here. So we're going to close out with 120 seconds. Our pattern here is to basically say we're going to take some time to sit and reflect after Mike yells for a while. So I'm sorry about that. Um, and my hope is that you would sit and just hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Because listen, it is, it is a place, I believe, that God uses in our service to speak to our hearts. Where I shut up and God speaks. So we have a question that you can ask. Maybe you have a better one than this. Um, but the question is this. Where are you seizing your second chance what area? Maybe for you, it's salvation. You've come to church your whole life and you've never really given God a chance. Like you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle and you got that confirmation sticker and you got baptized, but we all know your heart's not really his. And you're like, man, I need to do that. And God's calling you to seize it tonight. Listen, as somebody who got baptized in seminary, <laughs> I was like 23. Like I thought, I, like, I thought I'd gone past all that. It wasn't until God really wrecked me at age 20 that I was like, I'm in. Let me tell you, if you get baptized in seminary, it means that God did a work in your heart. And I believe that tonight, if God's calling you to trust him, that's something he wants to do in you. Would you believe his, his word tonight? Some of you need to <coughs> take Jackson seriously and take him up on joining our guest services team. Best way to say I'm in is to join that team. That's where it's at. Front door, getting in, do it. But if you really wanna to talk to somebody up front afterwards, there are gonna be people who will talk to you. I'll be up front here, <coughs> not coughing, I promise. I'll be right here. And there's nothing more we love to do than to say, we'll pray with you for that second chance. Let me pray. Jesus.
Will you accomplish what you want in our life, in this church? Because you